chapter twenty of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain the release of signor bianchi i hope with mr pry that we don't intrude but it almost seems from the few words which reached my ears as if our entry were quite opportune is it possible that i heard my fair cousin say that she was to be arrested reginald's gentle soft carefully modulated tones seeming to express so much more than was conveyed by the literal meaning of his words affected his hearers not altogether agreeably madeline turned towards him with in her bearing a possibly unconscious touch of hauteur she held her head a little back and had the air of looking down on him from above i said that i was afraid that if any one were to be arrested it would be maud dorncourt is that so and you said you were afraid how truly unfortunate and what will be the excuse those pernicious policemen will offer for such an outrage according to your mother it will be for the crime of attempted murder attempted murder indeed only attempted and for such a triviality you stand in danger of such indignity i did not say i did i said maud dorincourt he looked puzzled and was as his question showed i beg your pardon it is my stupidity but i'm afraid i don't quite follow you i am not maud dorincourt his mask-like visage over whose mutations he kept such careful watch and ward underwent an entire alteration his graceful smile which he seemed to wear as a sort of ornament passed from his face as if it had slipped and fallen his beautiful eyes became all in an instant ugly his jaw shut tight like a rat-trap the lines deepened about his eyes and lips each individual one seeming to suggest a separate snarl evil temper so debased his whole appearance that one realized his wisdom in endeavoring in an ordinary way to prevent the revelation of the kind of man he really was by concealing his countenance behind the visor of even an artificial smile he hurried forward his stature dwarfed by passion there are men it exalts it made him smaller the smoothness had gone from his voice he screeched so you're hold and you think to scramble out by an eleventh-hour confession but it isn't good enough my dear that cock won't fight he turned to the others with a burst of malignant spleen i spotted her from the first she didn't take me in she's here and knows it i knew she wasn't maud i smelt the street girl reginald the interruption came from the earl in the bed and conveyed or should have conveyed a warning well she is a street girl singleton picked her off it she had been kicked into the street for misbehavior i've just had it from the lips of the man who kicked her have you then perhaps you'll be so good as to bring him here i'll have it from his lips as well 
the tone was ominous the earl's look was ominous too reginald screamed back at him don't be an infernal fool i tell you man the girl is nothing but a wretched beggar who keeps herself alive god alone knows how and whose most decent habitation from the moment she was born has been an attic chapnor and i have found out all about it singleton saw how like maud she was he brought her to mrs singleton between them they hatched a precious blot and foisted her off on to you as maud for which pretty piece of business if i have my way the pair of them will go to jail it is this penniless adventuress to use as you'll yourself admit the mildest possible word who has been playing off on you these charming tricks making you believe that maud had changed her mind pretending to love you actually publicly promising to be your wife the future countess of staines my faith winding up as an appropriate climax by sticking a knife between your ribs that's a lie bah mr fanshawe turned his back on madeline from whom the denial came with a gesture of superlative contempt on such lips as yours lies and truth are one mother why don't you ring the bell and have her flung into the gutter particularly if as i suppose consideration for the family honour which she has smirched more than enough already will enable her to escape the public prosecution which she so justly merits it was his brother who replied to him the reason why such an order as you suggest is not given is hardly that which you suppose it happens moreover that miss orme has already acquainted us with the principal facts with which you in your turn have favoured us and which you have coloured with an eloquence which is peculiarly your own acquainted you is that how you put it why my dear fellow she knew the game was up that chapnel and i were on her track she thought she'd get in front of us that's all i scarcely think that with miss orme that was the sole determining cause however i am obliged to you for your kind offices might i ask you to take no further interest in my affairs any more for instance than i take in yours your affairs is she your affair he pointed to madeline i beg your pardon i did not know it reginald again there was that note of meaning in the intonation of the christian name the queerly matched pair of brothers eyed each other disagreeably then the elder addressed himself to madeline to her his tone was one of even fastidious deference i must apologize miss orme for these frequent interruptions might i ask you to tell me precisely where miss dorincourt at present may be found and of what offence i have been guilty that she should seek to deal out so severe a punishment you have been guilty of no offence it is not what you have done 
she did not know what she was doing to you how is that the earl smiled the matter becomes more and more mysterious the girl did not smile her bearing betrayed no disposition to levity of any kind it was alive with that intense earnestness which had marked it from the first she stretched out her hand with an eager gesture the hand which the earl had for so long retained in his own it is mysterious i don't understand it quite myself but from what signor bianchi told me bianchi i thought bianchi would come in this was reginald madeline just glanced at him and then went on from what signor bianchi told me it appears that miss dorincourt was present in the music-room when when madeline stumbled reginald filled in the hiatus you did the head of the family the distinguished honour to promise to become his future countess auspicious moment madeline went on hurriedly her cheeks glowing with an extra shade of colour after she went to speak to signor bianchi and and she became conscious that again she had reached a point at which explanation might be difficult again she stumbled slurring over the proper sequence of events a friend of his was present whose name i think was lazarus this mr lazarus cast on her what the signor calls the evil eye at any rate he got her entirely under his influence while she was in that condition he made her go and look for you and stab you she being all the time unconscious of what she was doing just as much so as if she had been walking in her sleep she spoke a little breathlessly as if anxious to tell her story with all possible speed her words were followed by silence the silence of astonishment and also it seemed of incomprehension and incredulity reginald turned to mr champnell with a movement of his shoulders which was intended to be significant of his entire disbelief you perceive champnell that the days of the romancers are not all gone no wonder that so many novelists come to the front from among women like miss orme the earl ignored his brother what are we to understand miss orme by the evil eye that you must ask signor bianchi i only quote to you his words but i do know that miss dorincourt did not know what she was doing and that she does not know even now what it is that she has done this mr lazarus must be an amazing rascal what injury have i done him that he should be guilty of such an abominable act madeline was still she was conscious that at that moment it might be inadvisable to point out that the whole mischief had had its origin in the italian's jealousy the earl went on and where do you suppose that will-o'-the-wisp of a girl is now have you any notion when i last saw her she was in the music-room about to practise some songs she may be singing still mrs singleton ring the bell i'll have inquiries made madeline interposed if you'll excuse me i think you may defeat your own purpose if you do with your permission i will go and see if she is there 
and if she is i will bring her to you that is if she will come reginald spoke with your very kind permission might i suggest that mr champnell and i should act as your escort it may require more than one to find this very elusive young lady according to your own accounts miss orme madeline received his offer with but a scant show of gratitude it is a matter of total indifference to me what you do or where you go i am unable to prevent your acting as what you call an escort she addressed the earl i think my lord that if i am to find miss dorincourt in the music-room the sooner i go the better you will not be long i will use what haste i can and you will return she hesitated my lord if you will not promise to return and that without the least delay you shall not go that's flat she appeared to consider my lord i will return in the hope that miss dorincourt will condescend to confirm in my presence the truth of so much of what i have said as comes within her knowledge the curiously assorted party went forth upon its errand madeline in front mr fanshawe whose passion had become a sneer behind mr champnell whose shrewd bright eyes nothing escaped and by whose tongue nothing was betrayed was at his shoulder while mrs singleton furtively doubtfully brought up the rear her face her bearing her tremulous movements spoke of her anxiety to set eyes once more upon the girl for whose sake she had dared and done so much yet who had placed in her so little of her confidence when they reached the music-room instead of that glorious voice bursting on their ears as madeline had half expected there was not a sound all within the great room was still from where they stood just within the doorway nothing and no one was in sight the place seemed empty mr fanshawe commented on the fact with a sneer the bird has flown if she was ever here you are quite sure you saw her here i am quite sure it is some a considerable satisfaction to know that you are certain but since it seems plain that she has gone where would you suppose miss orme that she has vanished to madeline's quick eye had caught sight of something lying on the floor at the further end of the room just beneath the gallery she went quickly to it the others still clinging to her heels it was a sheet of music a song which lay there crumpled up as if it had come fluttering down from the gallery above on the outside page was written in big sprawling letters maud dorincourt unless i am mistaken miss dorincourt is not far off perhaps we have disturbed her if she had been gone any time she would hardly have left her music lying on the floor i fancy she thinks too much of it perhaps she's hiding in the gallery the suggestion was reginald's ladies have been known to hide and even double when closely pressed she is only to stoop low behind the gallery's front and so far as any one down here is concerned she's hidden let's go up and see perhaps we shall catch her in the very act of stealing away they went out from underneath the overhanging roof all glancing upwards why cried reginald there's some more of her music on the ledge there if she is gone she's gone in a hurry 
what's the betting that she isn't behind this panel now putting his hand up to his mouth he gave a view halloo yoikes tally ho come out of it fair cousin mine we've fairly run you down now miss orme who will be the first to find he ran up the staircase but madeline was at his side together they reached the top for a moment it seemed as if their speed had been for nothing as mr fanshawe proclaimed halloa she gone away it is to be a chase if i had bet i should have been the loser why he stopped short staring madeline looking where he looked took up the parable where he had dropped it it's signor bianchi something has happened something serious i felt that something was wrong directly i saw the piece of music on the floor poor maud it was the signor trust precisely as mr lazarus had left him fastened hand and foot to his beloved organ with the sheet of music still crammed down his throat it was well they came upon him when they did he was as nearly dead as might be his friend had done his work with malevolent thoroughness the wad of paper thrust between the musician's jaws was large enough to distend them to their extreme capacity his efforts to get rid of it sufficiently to enable him to cry for help had made bad worse a little more and it would be choking him as it was his eyeballs were starting from their sockets and his face was growing black he was perched on the high stool in such a manner that when he struggled it threatened to topple away from underneath him in which event he would have in all probability been hanged for the cord was twisted round his throat and fastened to a stop so tightly that the sudden jerk which would have followed the falling of the stool would almost certainly have dispatched him from this world into the next his hands and arms were tied close to his sides the cord being strained with such merciless severity that one could see the great wheels of discoloured flesh standing up on either side of it where it cut into his flesh the miserable italian presented a spectacle as pitiable as it was unusual and one at which the quartet of newcomers stared with looks of undisguised amazement mr champnell was the first to recover his wits taking out his pocket-knife he proceeded with all possible rapidity to cut the cords which bound him drawing at the same time the gag from between the, his teeth which latter task was not as easy as it might appear so tense and rigid were his jaws and with such savage cruelty had the wedge been driven in the result was what might have been foreseen no sooner were the bonds relaxed than bianchi groaned and swooned only recovering from the swoon to be constricted by an agony of pain the blood struggling again to circulate seemed to penetrate his veins like molten lead he writhed and twisted in his anguish when he had somewhat recovered it was to find himself confronted by four inquiring and bewildered faces mr champnell's voice firm and clear yet not unkindly was the first to fall upon his ears come you are better now very soon you'll be all right how comes it that you are in this extraordinary fix bianchi's lips moved but no comprehensible words proceeded from them as yet his swollen tongue 
refused its proper office it was still some moments before they were able to distinguish what it was he was trying to say then they understood that the word to which he endeavoured to give utterance was a man's name lazarus 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 he mumbled it hoarsely yet more and more distinctly over and over again yes lazarus i hear what has lazarus done to you and who is lazarus madeline touched mr champnell on the arm i know ask him where miss dorincourt is gone mr champnell obeyed where's miss dorincourt do you know it was plain he did know something at the mention of the lady's name he showed more signs of returning consciousness than he had done hitherto raising himself out of mr champnell's arms and sitting up upon the floor miss dorincourt maud he has taken her lazarus may the saints in heaven bless her he clenched his fists his black eyes shifted uneasily in their sockets his voice went quiet he has taken her what do you mean he has taken her bianchi struggled to his feet painfully tottering when he gained a footing he was possessed by some uncontrollable agitation which drove from him the memory of the pains he had endured and from which it seemed he was suffering still his whole frame quivered and shook with excitement which was momentarily growing greater and greater his southern nature asserted itself in gesticulations he stretched out his arms threw back his head rolled his eyes seemed to strain every muscle in his endeavour to give full expression to his strength of feeling his words came faster and faster he has cast on her the evil eye heaven that such things should be he has taken her away right away where i do not know with him alone she is in his hands like a doll a dummy a nothing my beautiful dream of my eyes star of my soul he is going to marry her yes he is going to make of her his wife his wife my god the devil the thousand 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 times devil he had worked himself up all at once into a state of frenzy presenting an odd picture of insensate rage he is going to marry her miss dorincourt of whom are you speaking explain yourself it is easy as plain as print it is her voice he is after her voice he cares nothing for her youth her beauty no nothing at all it is only her voice he wants in it he sees heaps of money heaps and heaps and there my god he is right there is a gold mine in her voice a gold mine he says to himself if i marry her if i make her my wife she will be mine and her voice too there will be a gold mine in my pocket the hundred thousand times devil he wound up with a flood of imprecations in an idiom of his own mr champnell endeavoured to arrive at a greater comprehension of what he had just heard mr bianchi calm yourself a little we shall be able to understand better and time will be saved are you saying you wish us to believe that miss dorincourt has gone away with this man lazarus of her own free will intending to become his wife of her own free will my god no he has cast on her the evil eye mr bianchi madeline coming forward anxiously even timidly touched him on the coat-sleeve 
swinging round upon his heels when he saw her he flung out to her his hands with a cry of ecstasy which was not without its pathos maud it is you you are back again you are free from him you have shaken off his chains my beloved one light of my eyes queen of my heart i rejoice with all my might and all my mane i would rather die a hundred deaths than know you were in the hands of that scoundrel lazarus and at the mercy of his devil's will god has been more good to me than i believe since after all he has suffered you to escape from him and to stand before me once more your own beautiful self so that i may feast upon you with my lovesick eyes madeline shrunk back all pale and trembling i am not maud don't you remember i am she who to my own great misfortune god has seen fit to make so like her i am madeline orme bianchi did remember with a sense of shock he too drew back his manner changed oh yes i remember oh yes you are madeline orme you are the cause of all the trouble you are she who has brought on us all the plagues of heaven who has plunged us into the waters of bitterness so that we may drink them to the dregs and suffer more than those who die well i hope you are content your double whom you have so cleverly pretended to be is at an end she is done for for good and all she is in the hands of lazarus when he gets in his hands a thing especially if that thing is a woman by the time it gets out of them again there is very little left of it nothing that is worth anything of that you may be sure madeline's trembling increased the little man's passionate if curiously chosen words seemed to make her quiver as if they had been the thongs of a whip mr bianchi do you mean that he has her under his influence again that he can make her do as he chooses as he did before that is what i mean that's just it what he calls his accursed power i do not know it is an attribute of satan a thing of evil he holds out his hands she obeys the wagging of his finger he drops his hand she falls in a heap on the floor he raises it she gets up again she puts her arm through his she goes off to marry him to become his wife may the saints in paradise entreat the good god to take pity better for her that she should marry a real devil out of the true hell but mr bianchi where has he taken her where have they gone i do not know i know no more than you beyond that she has gone to be his wife i know nothing but he is a friend of yours he is not a friend never he is an acquaintance only it is true that he has been known to me for several years but as no more than an acquaintance we are not enough in sympathy he is always mocking but where is his home where does he live he has no home he lives nowhere to-day he is in london to-morrow in paris the day after in vienna you find him in milan st petersburg new york south america wherever he is at the moment that is his home it is all the same to him but you know his address in town not i i see him this morning for the first time for two three years where he has been in the meantime i know no more than the dead he say nothing i ask no questions but you must know some more of his acquaintances and they may know bianchi reflected i know a place where he is sometimes to be heard of but that is all it is a restaurant there they may know what is his address but it is by no means sure let's go there and make inquiries there is not a moment to be lost he may be stopping at that very place and maud may be with him i dare not think of what she must be suffering each second she is in his hands she does not suffer she knows nothing she will not know 
until it is too late even if she knows then lazarus is too clever he will not wish to have trouble mr reginald fanshawe interposed it seems to me miss orme if mr bianchi will excuse me that the real meaning of this apparently mysterious business is that miss dorincourt is in one of her freakish moods has chosen to go off with this peculiarly named gentleman for reasons of her own i know miss dorincourt a trifle better than you do and i do assure you that at any and every cost she will always be original madeline was furious it is quite in keeping with your character that you should talk like that but in this case you don't know what you are talking about if you had ever seen the man lazarus you would know better he is the most horrible-looking creature i ever beheld reginald raised his eyebrows ah if he is so very hideous of course that counts counts i should think it did count i am sure that no woman would ever willingly be left alone with him for two consecutive seconds and as for marrying him she finished the sentence with a shudder i am convinced that mr bianchi is right i am going this instant to the restaurant of which he speaks to find out if i can where the creature lives she hastened towards the door at the side through which mr lazarus and his victim had passed together arm in arm her eye caught sight of something lying on the floor she snatched it up it was the address side of an envelope which had been torn why she exclaimed what's this she read what was written on the sheet of paper mr lazarus wellington mansions chelsea the number's torn but the rest is plain enough why i do believe that it's the man's address signor bianchi struck his forehead with his fist what a fool i am what a fool i remember now that he told me that he had taken a room in the wellington mansions what was the number i forget the number but it does not matter i will find him without the number and i will have his life or he shall have mine i swear it by all the saints in heaven the excitable italian rushed through the door followed by madeline with mr champnell close after mrs singleton went forth crying like some frightened child mr fanshawe remained by himself twisting the ends of his moustache with his fingers smiling to himself then after a second or two he went leisurely after the others End of chapter twenty